Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Man, yeah, yeah, we can give the Lord a hand clap praise. It's okay. You can help me preach today, too. If you say amen, I promise you I won't get interrupted. Man, it is a joy and an honor to be able to preach our seventh year anniversary. This is crazy. It's crazy to see how God has done a great work um, at the brook. As Pastor Eric said, my name is Pastor Jeremy. I'm one of the pastors here um, at the brook. And and, and listen to me, I, I, I still remember the early days. Um, when we were still forming this church in, in, in 2013. And, and at that time, I, w- I was actually working for like this nonprofit. Um, and, and I was thinking about like, man, should I switch a career? Should I go, you know, start a business, make a, a ton of money and, you know, give it away to a whole bunch of ministries and let God hook me up to a little bit in the process? Um, and I remember when I was contemplating all of this, I went to go meet with Pastor Eric at the, at the Starbucks at the Brickyard. And as we were there, I'm, I'm telling him about my journey. And, and, and he begins to tell me he, something to this effect. He says, yo, Jeremy. I don't know if he said yo, but that's the way that I received it. And he said something to, to this effect. He said, yo, Jeremy, you got a pastoral call on your life, whether you want it or not. You might as well just start assuming it. And I was like, dang, I'm going to be a broke pastor. Man, I'm not going to make no, no. But then, you know, God began to deal with me and God began to sustain me and just make that calling sure. And we saw the church just grow. God was growing me out of my rebellion, apparently, at that time. And, and man, it was just a beautiful thing to see God not only just grow us in in, in spiritual growth, but also in numerical growth. And we praise God for that. And I just want to honor Pastor Eric and Erica and the kids. Can we give them a hand clap? And the Rivera family, their parents are here, the Combs family. Man, we really are just an extension of what God has done in different families. And this is beautiful to see. Man, and I just, I just got to say this one thing. Man, I am more impressed with the Rivera's private life than their public life. And their public life is the bomb. So you could just imagine how their private life before the Lord is. Man, it's, it's, you guys have been a great model of godliness and truth. And I, I just thank you guys for that. Man, you guys have changed my life, and I I appreciate that. Well, you can turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Philippians chapter 1, and to our friends online, just want to encourage you to to set everything aside, open up God's word. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. You could also look look that verse up in your your devices. Just don't get, get on Instagram or Facebook unless you are, like, telling other people to come right now. Um, then please don't go on Instagram and Facebook. Let's, let's get into God's word. And if you could, you could stand if you're able to at this time for God's word. I believe God has a tailor-made word for our seven-year anniversary. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. It says this. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work. Can somebody say good work? That he who began a good work in you, Brooke family, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. God bless the reading of his word. You may take your seats. 
This morning in the remaining minutes that I have, I'd like to preach from this big idea. And the big idea is this. If you don't get anything else, I want you to get this. Celebrate God, the church planter. Rejoice, sing. Tell somebody your testimony. Because God has been good to us and God has started this church because God is a church planter. Celebrate God the church planter. You know, when Pastor Eric first approached me about joining the brook, he would, he would often use this metaphor that this community in this city um, is a parched land spiritually. Caught my, my, my ear, caught my eye at that time. And it, it was at that time, and in many respects, still is a land that has the presence of God accessible, but not actively pursued by many. And that's why we're here today. That's why God has sustained us for seven years. And as I think about that metaphor of a parched land spiritually, if you could visualize this in the spiritual realm, I can't help but think about the oxymoron that that is. If you think about it. Because I just told you that we're celebrating God the church planter But we're talking about a spiritually parched land. Check this out. I'm definitely no farmer. Um, I don't come from no gardening type family. Okay, we like struggled with that growing up. But I'm smart enough to know, just a little bit, to know that in real life, a gardener or a farmer's first choice to plant anything, anything is in a parched land. A planter's first choice to, to try to get a crop wouldn't be a desert. It's hot. There's no water. It's hard to come by. If you're alone, man, you're super isolated. If you're with other people, you're probably uncomfortable and trying to share these resources. I mean, it's a horrible place to plant anything in the physical life, right? In a parched land. But I got good news today. It actually has been done through meticulous engineering and innovation. And when that's happened, it's actually garnered great praise. Because people are like, how can you plant something in a parched land like a desert? Man, you did it. Praise comes to that person. And as we think about God spiritually, God the church planter in a parched land like our community in the rest of the world, we must see that only God can start and sustain a church like the brook. God has shaped us, and we praise him for this day. So in the the remaining brief moments, I'd like to give you three reasons. Could somebody say three? three? Three reasons for why we should celebrate God, the church planter. The first reason is this. God started a good work in us. And I want you to see that in verse uh, 6 of chapter 1 of Philippians. It says that, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you. You see that? That phrase, good work, refers to how humans come into a relationship with God. Check this out. The only way that a human being can come into a relationship with God is through Jesus Christ. It's the only way that you could become a child of God. So what that means is that when Jesus died on the cross, he took the penalty of sin, which is death. 
When Jesus rose to life after three days, after being dead, he overcame the power of sin and death and became Lord over all. According to Acts chapter 2, verse 36. So what that means is when someone comes to believe in Jesus Christ, it's because God orchestrates through his spirit the circumstances in their life to bring them to himself. Some of y'all are looking at me crazy, so let me break that down for you a little bit, just a little bit. There is nothing that you can do that can bring you to God. You can't do enough good things to bring you to God. Because God is holy and we are broken. So we're not good enough. But Jesus Christ, he lived the perfect life that we could not live. And he also died the death that we deserved. And the way that we come to Jesus is God, he orchestrates circumstances, the trials, the trouble that we face in our lives. So that we can only look to heaven and say, I need you, God. And then he gives us Jesus. And that's exciting, but check this out. It's, it's even more exciting. Man, I, I was so excited when I was, when I was uh, studying this. It says, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you. You see that? Well, notice, Paul says you, but in our English translations, the word you actually speaks of a collective of people, a church. He's talking to a church, and that church is in this ancient city called Philippi. This implies... That God not only brings people to himself individually, he also brings people together to uphold his name in a dark world. In other words, and I'll preach it to myself if I need to. In other words, God is in the business of starting churches. God plants churches. That's what he does. That's what he did. That's what he will do. When I think about this, I think about the formation of the brook. You know, when we first started, we were different people, had different life experiences, different skin colors, spoke different languages. We came from different cultures. Some of us had one, uh, grew up in a single parent home. Some of us grew up in a two parent home. Some of us grew up in dysfunctional homes. Others grew up in homes that parents did the best that they could to rear us in Jesus. And it was just beautiful to see God just organize and orchestrate our lives to come together around one thing, and it's this, to lead the thirsty to the water of life in this community who is Jesus. So that's our first reason. We thank God because he continued to grow us in number and grow us spiritually. But there's another reason why we celebrate him today, and I hope that you could celebrate him for this. And it's because God continues to perfect us. Look at this verse again in verse 6. The verse promises us, that God will bring the good work he began to completion. See that? Look at the verse. You want to circle, underline, highlight that word complete. To bring something to complete carries this idea of perfecting something. This reminds me of the, the process of sculpting. I don't come from a sculpting family either. So you know a little bit about me. My family, they're not farmers, they're not gardeners, and they're definitely not sculptors. But whenever I've seen a sculptor, I've noticed that a sculptor has a vision in mind for a work, 
and begins to chip away at a material substance until that work is complete. They're just chipping, chipping every day. It's hard. They're getting their hands dirty. They, they might even get hurt. But at the end of the day, when they're done with that sculpture, if they're a dope artist, you look at that sculpture, you're like, wow. How did they make that out of marble? That's crazy. And this is the way that God chips away at us. The good news is that God has a vision for this church. And that vision is to prepare the church for our eternal reign with Jesus on earth. And the way that he prepares us is by Chipping our impurities, the strategies that aren't in alignment with him, the sinful habits that don't fit into his kingdom. He just chips, 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 chips until we are ready to enter into his eternal kingdom. And if you're new to the faith today, man, you're in good company. If you feel like God is just chipping you. Because all of us who walked with God, we've gone through something like that. Because one of the ways or the three ways that God usually chips us is through repentance. That means that you turn away from evil things, sinful things, and you turn to God. The second way is through suffering. God allows suffering in our lives to remind us that the most important thing in our lives is God and what he's calling us to do. And he also chips us through the improvisation of limited resources. Or he makes us, in other words, freestyle with limited resources. This means that God fashions churches he starts for his coming kingdom on earth. When I think about this, I think about our values. Erica mentioned our values. Our values are, are, are explained in this acronym of water. And the, the acronym is this, white flag worship, W, A, always on mission, T, thirsty prayers, E, embodying the scriptures, R, real communities. I almost wrapped that. Okay, we, we can make a song later. Just, you better copyright me. But when I think about those, the implementation of those values, what I think about is that that is so countercultural to the way our world is and our community is. Because we live in a world where the world tells us, worship yourself. Do you. They don't tell you, go on mission for God. They tell you, go on mission for your own thing. They don't tell you, depend on God. They tell you, depend on yourself and what you could do. Not realizing that everything you have is from God in the first place. See, in the world, they tell you to embody these ideas that will ultimately destroy you. Or if you gain great gain success, you, you face the judgment of God. And then they leave you empty. In the world, they, they, they tell you, you know, you could be in community with other like-minded people, but you got to look out for yourself. Love yourself. So when we think about these values, water, white flag worship, always on mission, thirsty prayers, embodying the scriptures, real community, I'm rapping again. When we think about those values, they're countercultural because that transfers us to a God-centered life. And a God-centered life is uncomfortable, y'all. When we try to implement these practices, it, it, it strikes us to our core. 
It's uncomfortable. We don't want to be stripped of those things. But how many of you guys know you can't lose weight unless you put in the work? And you see, Jesus, he does save us and he is gracious over us. But he doesn't just leave us the way that we are. He sets a new pattern. And I love this acronym because this acronym teaches us how to implement what God wants to kind of chip, chip away out of us. I did chip. See, I'm not, I'm not a sculptor. I'm not a gardener, clearly. But God chips at us when we put those practices into play. And family, after years of suffering as a church, and we gone through it, y'all. You might see us today and be like, man, man, the brook is dope. But you don't know, you might not know, some of the suffering, setbacks, the limited resources, abandonment that we've gone through. But I'll tell you one thing. In all of it, God has made us more into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And because of that, we rejoice because Jesus and God is our goal. That's the way that God makes us complete and he fulfills us. So if you want to be self-fulfilled today, man, you're in good company because we all want to be self-fulfilled. But the only way that you can be fulfilled is in God. And he made his son known, Jesus, so that you can be fulfilled in God. And the truth is, we still want to remain clay, right? Am I alone in that? We still want to let God mold us and fashion us because we all need cleansing. There's things in our lives that all of us are ashamed of and broken over. So we want to continue to come to God with open hands. And we thank God for that because he's not done with us. And this brings us to our last reason to celebrate God. The last reason is because God will display his work at the end. God will display his work at the end. This verse, in verse 6, it ends with a promise that God's work in the church will be come to a completion at the day of Jesus Christ. See that? Okay, you want to underline that, circle that, highlight that, do whatever you got to do at the day of Jesus Christ. The day in this passage refers to the judgment of Jesus of this broken world. Let me, let me break that down for you a little bit. At the first coming of Jesus, Jesus came as a savior. At the second coming of Jesus, Jesus will primarily come as a judge once and for all. And there will be two types of people when Jesus returns to establish his physical kingdom here on earth. The first camp, will be those who will experience the active wrath of God for rejecting Jesus and the good news that he came to bring. The other will be those who are saved from the wrath of God. And the good news is that that refers to the universal church. It's going to be beautiful. But what that means is that those who will be under God's wrath will be separated from God in eternity, tormented and suffering and punished forever because they chose not to follow Jesus. They chose not to believe in Jesus with all of their lives. But then the other camp will reign with Jesus and experience the presence of God forevermore. 
This week I was reading Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And I'll spare you the details, but I was just getting hyped. I was, I was nerding out when I was reading Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And I just want to summarize what that passage says, because it tells us what it will be like for the church in those days. Check this out. Check, you still with me? All right, all right, all right. So check this out. When Jesus establishes his physical, eternal kingdom here on earth, this is what it's going to be like for us. We're going to have God's unbreakable presence forever. Those feelings of isolation from God or like you're spiritually dropped, that's not going to be there no more. In that day, God's gathering of every nation will come together in worship. We're going to see Puerto Ricans, Dominicans, people from Zimbabwe, people from Humble Park, the yuppies downtown. We're going to see them all together (laughs) worshiping Jesus if they came to believe in Jesus. It's going to be amazing. Also in that day, we're going to see God's righteous government for the entire universe. No more division, no more political division. It's going to be crazy, y'all. Man, I'm I'm preaching to myself. It's going to be crazy to me. And lastly, according to Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, go read it on your own time. We'll see God's undisrupted peace among every nation. There's going to be peace. I don't know why I did the spirit fingers, but maybe that's, maybe that's how God is going to be like, peace everywhere. What does that mean for us right now? What that means is that God, at the day, or God is actively putting us in position to lean into these realities right now. He's setting them into motion. He's revving us up. The day that, I don't know why I keep like dancing with that, but the, the day that Jesus died and rose from the grave, he began to form a church, and his resurrection was the rev up and the setup for what's to come. This means that right now God has allowed the world to suffer so that we can, we can be witnesses of his unbreakable presence here on earth. This means that God has allowed division so that the church could stand out and show out what it means to be unified in worship right now. We can worship with people from the west side, from the north side, the yuppies downtown. We can all worship together the living God right now as a witness. And we must stand out because we are governed by God's prophetic word not a politician's pathetic words. And God right now is moving us to model peacemaking instead of power tripping in parched lands. He's moving us to peacemaking over pulpit pimping. God is shaping and fashioning his church right now for the setup. Do you see it? Will you live into it? That's what God is calling us to do. So as we celebrate God, the church planter, we celebrate him because he's not only giving us an orientation of what that would look like in the word, but he's also calling us to start that work now. And that's why we're here today. Going back to that metaphor of a parched land, in the physical realm. You need to know that anybody that lives in a parched land 
they need water, right? Okay, so I, I'm not a farmer. My family, they're not farmers. We're not sculptors, okay? But I know enough, just a little bit to know, we need water to live. And for many nations that reside in a desert, water is usually hard to come by for many nations. And one of those nations in real life today is present-day Israel. And like any desert land, that land is parched. Okay? So if, if you just think about it, they're in trouble if they don't find some water. Because without water, you can't live and you can't produce. It's just really, really hard. But check this out. Remember I told you that you could actually cultivate water in the desert land? It's been done before. Well, in the 1960s, there was this guy. His name, he was an Israeli engineer. His name was Simcha Blas. And he developed this drip irrigation system in Israel. And he used pipes. I know we have some, some, some um, welders in, in the room or people who are into um, plumbing. He used these pipes and he, he would make these small holes and these narrow plastic tubes that could water the base of plants, crops, what sustained people, drip by drip, drop by drop. And it was efficient and it was effective. We can learn something about this system. Here at the brook, our values, that water acronym, is like that drip system. These values, they were given to us by God. We didn't make them up because they come from God's word. We didn't author those values. We just made them sound contemporary. And we hope you like it. But these values came from God, and these are the values that have sustained us moment by moment. Like that drip irrigation system, drip by drip. And I hope that if you're here today and you know Jesus, I hope that you can lean into those values, worship, always on mission, thirsty prayers, embodying the scriptures, being real community, because that is what ultimately will set you up for what's to come. And I want to let you know that it's been efficient and effective. To go back to that example of Simcha Blas, in the spring of 2015, he was celebrated for his contribution for the drip irrigation system. And they had a piano player like this too that made it sound really nice. No, I'm just playing. I don't know. But they honored him. Because the, 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 I read one author that said that he developed this system against all odds. People were saying like, yo, Simcha Blas, you are crazy. Like, that's not going to work. Like, you are crazy. And he still stood with his system. He's like, trust me. I know that this is going to work. This is what's going to sustain us. Because he, he, he would just labor all day, every day with practice and his craft and just take everything and, and use all these instruments. And people would talk about him. But he knew that after years of practicing, this would work against our lives. Is what they said when he died. And in the same way, or let me backtrack, when he, when he was celebrated on that day, he was celebrated because his work back then set up that nation for what was to come. See what I'm saying? So his work back then set him up. 
And that's why they were honoring him in 2015. Today, we honor God, church family. Because the values that he's given us, the acronym of water at the brook, have withstood seven years against all odds. God, the church planter, sent them to us to pattern our lives after Jesus Christ. So this celebration is about God and what God has done. You know, Simchablas, they celebrated someone who was dead for that system. Today, we celebrate God who is alive, who came in the form of Jesus Christ. And according to his word, has set us up for what's to come, the kingdom of Jesus. So today, I want to encourage you, celebrate God with your voice. I told this to the first service, but you're a little closer to lunch. So I'm going to tell you, take me out to lunch and testify about what God has done in your life. Sing a song. Make your commitment to the church. Celebrate God for all that he's done. Because God isn't finished with you. No matter what you've done, what you did, it don't matter what you did last night. God is still working if you're here today. You are at the right address. So we praise the living God for seven years. Seven years. Let's pray. Father, I just want to pray for everybody in this room. God, we don't want to assume that um, everybody in this room knows you. God, I want to pray for those who are realizing even at this moment that they don't have a relationship with you. Father, I pray that right now in their hearts they would believe that Jesus died for them and rose from the grave. I pray that today, right now, would be the day of salvation. I pray that today you would affirm them that they are a child of God. Lord, for the rest of us, Lord, we want to pray that you would help us to implement what you've called us to, Lord, this water acronym. We, we thank you for that, Lord. God, many of us, maybe we've, we've been implementing other systems that leave us even more parched. God, I pray that you would help us to come back on track with, through your loving hand, oh God. We need you, Lord, and we thank you for these seven years. Help us to celebrate because of this perspective, Lord, that you have started the good work here at this church, and you will bring it to completion, oh God. Lord, we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Oh, Father, you are alive, oh God. You have sent your son Jesus to conquer sin, death, and Satan, to raise from the dead and give us life eternal, Lord. We have a message to preach. We've got a life to live, Lord, and we are just so thankful that we could do it under the umbrella of your grace. God, I thank you for our church family as we've gathered for worship today at 9 a.m., at 11 a.m. online. And, Lord, we, we know that you are building this church, God. But I also know, Lord, that you're not done with us here. God, we are celebrating all that's happened over the last seven years. We want to celebrate also what you're doing now, God. This year, this time, this day. And Lord, we also know that there are people we don't know yet, Lord, 
whom you want to save through the witness and ministry of this church family, oh God, in the days and years to come. And so, Lord, we want to give you our yes, Lord. We want to pray, Father, for seven more years, for 14, for 21, and 28, and on and on. Lord, we pray that more churches will be planted by you, God, the church planter. God, I pray that many will come from us to go elsewhere to start new churches, God. That you continue to bring people, Lord, who don't know Jesus to be discipled in the faith, raised up and sent out. God, I pray that we would be about your work until Jesus Christ comes back and establishes his kingdom. Oh, Lord, I pray you keep us from comfort, Lord. Keep us from our own self. And may we live for you and your glory. And all God's people said loudly, amen, amen, amen. Let's give our God one more hand clap today, church.